This is a weekend that is full of memories for me. Some years, September 11th sneaks up on me and I wake up in the morning and realize the day and fall apart. Other years, I make it through most of the day but feeling a little on edge and then I remember why. And this year in particular, we are remembering 20 years later. A significant experience for me in the sort of scope of my life, at least. Um, I had moved to New York City just a few months before September 11th after graduating from college. It's a place I wanted to live, and in fact, I told my parents, don't worry, I'm never coming back home. I will never return to California. And here I am, happily, living here once again. I remember that morning. I remember the different... The, the, the fears and the wonders, but I, there was this sense of looking at people I didn't know and realizing we were all in this together. Those I knew, those I didn't knew. Strangers, we instantaneously had this connection. It's a, a beautiful time to be in New York as well. I feel like the sidewalks, once the sort of initial shock started to wear off, the sidewalks became friendly places. Everybody was more willing, more open to see each other as fellow human beings. Camaraderie, I feel like a deepening of connection that emerged in the wake of this trauma, of this crisis. Reminds me a little bit of what we are living through, what we have lived through with this pandemic. Takes me back to the early days of the pandemic when it was like, what is happening? When there was so much information that we didn't have. I remember being hungry and craving information as if I could learn more and somehow control the situation. But here we are many, many months later, engaging in practices to keep each other safe, to keep ourselves safe. Sometimes, you know, the, the guidelines and the directions from the authorities have changed over time, too. I laughingly remember that brief period at the beginning of the summer when it was like, well, if you're vaccinated, go right ahead. The masks aren't necessary anymore. And then we learn a little bit more and realize, oh, no, there's still other things that we need to do to work to keep each other safe. We are connected. We are all made in God's image. We are all breathing the same air. God's breath moving through our bodies, animating us. And that air that the creation, the world, is breathing out and back in for us. Not only are we connected to each other, we are connected to the literal ground we walk on. Jesus is out with his disciples, and he asks this question. He asks this question twice. The first question is, who do they, who do those other people say that I am? And his disciples respond with, well, the, the crowds out there, they feel like you're somebody special from the scriptures. You're either your cousin John the Baptist you're Elijah, a mysterious prophet who disappeared, was taken up into heaven, so maybe has returned in the form of Jesus, or you're at least one of the prophets. 
Godly play describes a prophet as somebody who comes so close to God, and God comes so close to them, that the prophet just knows what God wants them to say. This story in Mark's gospel happens about halfway through Mark, and Mark is a condensed, tight story. We jump in on Jesus as a grown-up. We don't get the birth story, sort of uh, Christmas narrative in Mark's gospel. You jump in, and a word that appears over and over in Mark's gospel is immediately. There's this sense of breathless unfolding, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then he did this, and then they did that. So we're about halfway through, and Jesus has been doing what he does. He's been healing people. He's been teaching. And he's been revealing something new about who God is and how God works. Who do they say that I am? And then he dials in on the friends who have been with him for the last couple of years. Who do you say that I am? And right away, Peter gets it. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the one who is going to come and make things right. Who is going to take this world that feels like it is upside down and shift things. So that God's reign pervades. You are the one who is going to make things right. And then Jesus starts to continue teaching his disciples. You're right, he says. And this means that I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to be rejected, and I'm going to be killed, and then I'm going to rise again three days later. He said all this quite openly. He wasn't hiding who he was. He wasn't hiding what he anticipated for himself. And then Peter, the one who got it, the one who named him, who identifies him correctly, he's like, no, 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 this can't happen. How often does that, that window open on the vision we hope to see? But then when we realize the steps that may be involved, the, the negativity, the suffering, or just the hard work, we're like, no, 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 we don't want it like that. We want it maybe a little easier, a little more comfortable. The text says, get behind me, Satan, which I always heard as Jesus admonishing Peter and sort of being like, oh, that was the wrong answer. Go to the back of the room. But the Greek here, the word is really follow me. It's the same word that Jesus uses in the beginning of this gospel when he is inviting the disciples to begin following him. When he goes and finds them fishing and at their various work during the day, and he says, come and follow me. Here we are halfway through, and they've learned something. They see him as the Christ. But they're, they're not fully there. They're not fully with them. And Jesus is like, I gotcha. Just follow me. Just step in line and follow where I am leading us. The reading we heard from Proverbs this morning, there is a voice of wisdom coming out from the streets. And the, the text that we heard, there are sort of the ups and downs, the, the benefits of listening to the voice of wisdom, the 
deficits of not listening to the voice of wisdom. And I find it interesting that the wisdom is personified in a woman. Voices which sometimes are not heard or not heard. There's the voice of wisdom calling out to us from the streets, from the corners, from the pathways that we tread. Imagine there's the voice of wisdom calling out to us from our created world. Will we listen? Will we have ears to hear what she is saying? Jesus then looks at his disciples, I imagine, with love in his eyes. And he offers this challenge. If you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Because if you want to save your life, if you're holding on to your life so tightly that there's no room for me, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life to create space for me, envision Jesus saying, if you can create space for me within your very bodies, but within all that you think and do, if you will create space for this good news, then you will save your life. Then you will truly live. Discipleship is about following the Christ. Discipleship is about stepping in line with Jesus. Discipleship is about choosing the practices that shape us into the sort of person God imagines us, God wants for us. But it's not just something we do solo. We are here gathered in church as a body, as a corporate group of people. There's a theologian named Trip Fuller, um, and he talks about the Gospels and their purpose and their intention. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these four writers have written the story of Jesus, the story of God as revealed in Jesus. And this year, we spend a lot of time in Mark's gospel. And in other years, we spend more time in the other gospels. The gospels, there's, there's similarities. There's some stories that appear in all of them or in most of them. And, and sometimes it's really interesting to hold those similar stories side by side and see what was said in one and not said. And what was highlighted or emphasized in another story or what was not emphasized. But these stories were written long, long ago. They were written by people who didn't necessarily know Jesus or were even perhaps alive while Jesus was alive. But somehow this spirit lasted and endured. These stories were written to be heard as a group, as a body, these stories were written to shape us and to transform us. These stories were written, and here we are 2,000 years later, listening, learning, trying to dig through and see what things might mean. What have you discovered about your own discipleship during this pandemic? 
What have you, what has helped you feel solid ground beneath your feet during these last several months? Where is Jesus in how you move, how you think, how you make decisions? Are you listening for the voices crying out from the street for wisdom as she seeks to invite us into transformation? Are we seeking to know Jesus so that we too may say, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Messiah? Even when we don't like the answers to who or how Jesus may be working in the world today, are we willing to get behind him, to step behind him and walk in the footsteps that he has traveled before? This text about the cross, taking up your cross, I want to point out that it is an invitation Jesus offers, and it's a choice we have. It's not something that we are sort of born with. It's not necessarily some affliction that we have to carry. It's not some heavy burden that has been thrust upon us. But it is something that we of our own agency choose. We choose to pick up and carry because we choose to walk in Jesus' footsteps. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is God revealing a new way of being in the world. Jesus is God revealing that the way God loves is to become one with who, with what God loves. Christ is in everything. Christ is in everyone. As we travel through the this phase of the pandemic. I want to say the ending times of the pandemic, but as we travel through this phase of the pandemic, how are these stories shaping us as a people? What, who, how is important to us? And how will we change? How will we let ourselves and our church be transformed? that we too say, Jesus, he is the Christ, the Messiah, and we follow him.